Welcome to Blitzcast, an NFL Draft podcast brought to you by NFLDraftBlitz.com. And now, your hosts, Alex Kavtov and Ed Hunt. Welcome to Blitzcast number 69. We've got a big show for you today. It's the college football preview. Each week, we've been breaking down different conferences, telling you the the players to watch for, the teams to look out for. And this time we're putting a show together. We're we're just going to, it's a comprehensive show of the college football preview. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to do a couple of scouting reports. But in the beginning of the show, we decided to talk about Cam Newton, Ed. Uh, Apparently third preseason game and he went down. And um, a lot of people were fearing that it was, it was something serious, but it turned out okay. So tell us about it. Yeah, it sounds like it's a foot injury, so that doesn't concern me too much. There is a such there is a possibility that he could be out into the season, but because they don't they they haven't done all the tests and all the X rays. So I mean, if it's a broken foot, obviously it's going to hold him out longer. But I I wouldn't overreact too much. I I think this is just. You know, a big name quarterback going down, and there's a lot of media buzz, but I'm not too concerned about Cam Newton. Well, obviously, he's a player that has been playing hurt throughout his career. Uh, he plays with with the punishing uh, style. You know, he's he's still a running quarterback. He's a dual threat guy, and he is going to get injured at times. But it, it leads me to another question, Ed. Uh, sh- where where do you stand on this? Last year, Sean McAvey decided to pull all of his star players they didn't play in the preseason at all he wanted to rest them he wanted he wanted those players fresh for the regular season and it really paid off the Rams went to the Super Bowl where obviously they lost to the New England Patriots where do you stand on that because a lot more head coaches have been doing the same thing that Sean McAvey did last year they've been arresting their starters so they heal so they they get better they're injury free and they're ready for the regular season when it really matters the most but where do you stand on that are you more old school or are you more new school well, I think there's two reasons for the preseason. One is to obviously see what you have in your younger players. But the other reason is, is you need to get your 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 first string ready for the season. Uh, no one no one is a perfect product when they first start. So I see I see I see it as kind of crazy to not start the quarterback. It's going to hurt you week 1. A good example is the Steelers. They they've been resting Ben Roethlisberger. They haven't played him. They'll probably play him in the third game. But they, they open up against the Patriots, and, and so if they're going to open up against the Patriots on Sunday Night Football, and, they ha- and they've been resting Ben Roethlisberger, is he going to be ready to beat Tom Brady? I guess it's a good point, but the most important thing is the regular season, and you want to go into the regular season injury-free. You're, you're in training camp for the entire month. You're, you're practicing. The first team, they do so many scrimmages now between the two teams. I'm just... I'm in the corner, I'm with Sean McAvey here. I want my Todd Gurley's, I want my Jared Goff's to be ready. And I think they're gonna be fine come regular season because they're practicing so much. They know the offense, they know what they have to do. I I do agree that the rookies should be playing, second year players, guys that are on on the cusp of making the roster or are fighting for their life. But the Cam Newtons, the Andrew Lux, the Aaron Rodgers, uh, Tom Brady, they should be sitting because they've been through this for a long, long time. So in my opinion, it's just 
to be honest with you, they, they should cut the preseason to two games instead of four. Uh, so many injuries are, are happening, and I'm glad that coaches are, are taking the high road now, that they're resting their guys, their starters, their star players, and and this is, this is a perfect example of what could happen. Cam Newton is playing in that third preseason game that a lot of coaches, um, you know, obviously they've they believe in it. The third preseason game is always a good indicator when they get their some of their offense rolling and their defensive players, and they want to see what they have heading into the regular season, and then they rest during the fourth preseason game. But I, I say rest your guys. Play the, the backups. Play the young players. That's what the preseason is for. The preseason is not for the Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers or Andrew Luck. The problem with that is if you listen to talk radio after pretty much week one, week two, mostly week one, and the team doesn't look so good, the first thing all the callers say is, why weren't these guys playing during the preseason? I mean, the fans, the fans, you know, they're not ready. I mean, I know personally as a Steelers fan, I saw the Steelers tie the Browns last year. And yeah, the Browns have been better than usual. But they still they still tied the Browns, and that was still the difference between them making the playoffs and not. If they if they had gotten their first string ready for that first game, they would have not had four turnovers and had you know a bunch of interceptions from Denzel Ward if they were ready. What's well, a valid point? You you make a valid point. Um, obviously, there's. There's there's the Sean McAvays and and there's the Ron Rivera way of looking at things. I mean, there's more old school and there's new school in there. I think they got to find some middle ground. Obviously, let's let's get into the college football preview, Ed. Uh, like I said, we've been uh, previewing each conference each week. Actually, we've been previewing two conferences each week when we've been on, and we we've done a good job. It's been a comprehensive preview of the college football players to watch in each conference, so guys that are the, the most legitimate NFL prospects out there. Now, we've talked about most surprising teams, most disappointing teams, the, the best teams to, to watch out for in each conference. Let's do a comprehensive preview now, Ed. Um, obviously, you and I picked Alabama to be the, the conference winner in the SEC. You and I both picked Clemson to be the, the ACC winner, um, I, I don't think that's that's up for debate. Um, maybe, you know, stranger things have happened, but Alabama and Clemson should be there in the end, especially with the quarterbacks that they have and the teams that they have all across the board. But I want to remind our listeners, for our Pac-12 preview, you and I picked Oregon. Uh, Oregon, we're, we're a believer in the Ducks. We're a believer in Justin Herbert. We talked about him as a potential number one overall pick. So l- let's expand on that a little bit. Obviously, the Pac-12 has Washington and Utah, two teams that are really dangerous. But you and I picked Oregon. So l- let's expand on that a little bit. When looking at the college football playoff, uh, I think it is pretty clear, but there there are some debatable divisions. I think it's pretty clear Clemson and Alabama are going to win their conferences, but there there's some debate with the ba- the Big Ten, the Big Twelve, and the Pac-12. Uh, I think the Pac-12 is the most wide open of the three. I think the Big Ten is down to Michigan and Ohio State, and I think the what's the third conference that I'm missing oh and, and the, the big, big 12. 12 the big 12 
they need they need it's between Oklahoma and Texas. So I would I I I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with I think you know we've seen in the college football playoff that a lot of the same teams make it year by year. Obviously, there's give or take one or two, so it's hard to it's hard to replace teams. But in my in my in my pick, I, I I'm I'm thinking that Clemson is probably gonna be my number one. Um, Alabama is gonna be my number two because they have it. I'm actually gonna pick Michigan to be number three because I think they're gonna beat I think they're gonna beat Ohio State in in Ann Arbor. And I think I think this is the year that they give Georgia a chance in the playoffs. I mean, Georgia Georgia won't see Alabama until the SEC championship. It's it's really not fair that they can go through you know run the table, win the SEC championship, and not get in the college football playoff. Interesting, interesting. So there there's no Pac-12 team in in your top four. Um, you obviously believe that Oregon is going to be good, but they're not going to be good enough for the college football preview. Well, there's a Power Five conference in four spots, so there's gonna be there's gonna be two there's gonna be two conference winners that aren't gonna aren't gonna make it. Um, obviously, the the debate at the end is gonna be over the four spot, and I think it'll be kind of controversial whether it be Georgia or Oklahoma. Maybe Oregon will be in the conversation, just the same as Ohio. Maybe Texas. Know. Maybe Texas as well. Maybe maybe Texas. Sure, but. I think I think this it, I think it's only fair that the committee pick another SEC team. Interesting. Well, they've obviously been kind to SEC teams in the past. Uh, SEC is the best conference out there, and to get two SEC teams is is not unprecedented. So, you know, obviously Georgia has got a terrific team again. And so again, your top four teams in the college football preview: Alabama, Clemson, Michigan, and. Georgia and Georgia. So you go with two SEC teams. I, I wanted to expand a little bit on it. Um, obviously, you and I both believe that Michigan is going to beat Ohio State this year. That this is the year that that Jim Harbaugh gets over the hump. We talked about it on the last podcast. Um, the only difference in, in our picks in the Power Five conferences is in the Big Twelve. You believe that it's Oklahoma, led by Jalen Hurts. I believe that Texas is going to be one of those teams that's going to take. Uh, step up we'll take that step forward out there and beat Oklahoma and maybe get into into the top four out there so uh, why do you believe that Oklahoma is the better team over Texas well they're more talented Jalen Hurts has won before in in the college football I um, mean he he won a lot of games at a- Alabama so they're not going to miss a beat with the quarterback. In fact, I feel more secure about Oklahoma's quarterback position than I did before Baker Mayfield or before I should I shouldn't say Baker Mayfield, but I should say I didn't know much about Kyler Murray at this point last year, but I feel more confident about Jalen Hurts being the transfer quarterback than I do about Kyler Murray. Of course, I mean he's been there before. He's won at Alabama. He comes from a winning program in Oklahoma. Seems to be doing an incredible job with these quarterbacks out there. And, um, yeah, not many people yeah, cred- know about credit, Kyler Credit Murray. to Lincoln Riley, for sure. Absolutely. I mean, to go from Bob Stoops to Lincoln Riley, and I didn't think that he was going to build something like this, something special like this, what, what he has done in the past couple of years. To go from a coaching great like Bob Stoops to Lincoln Riley, there had to be a little bit of a drop-off, and it seems to be a smooth ride. I mean, Lincoln Riley is just ruling Oklahoma right now. I mean, he's taking them to 
to greater heights what Bob Stoops wasn't able to do in his in his long tenure. Um, so the hat goes. I, I take my hat off to Lincoln Riley out there. Um, let's talk about the most surprising team, Ed. Uh, we've talked about surprise teams in each conference. Now we're putting it on the national level. Uh, who is your uh, most surprised team? Well, I, th- I think Georgia will be the surprise team because they're going to get picked by the committee. Um, you know, they really they really have one. I mean, other than the SEC championship, which will be a tough game, and they beat Alabama last year. So they, they, they're they very capable of doing it in the SEC championship. The, the really only other big game is against Florida and Jacksonville. Um, this will be Jake Fromm's junior year, and, you know, he has plenty of starting experience. They return seven starters on defense. Uh, they have star power returning on offense. You know, they got Andrew Thomas, left tackle, covering the blind side. They got DeAndre Swift coming back. Great running back, great speed back. Um, the fact that they don't see Alabama in the regular season tells me that they can run the table in the regular season. They, I mean... They they could they could really go into the into the SEC championship twelve and zero. Interesting that you picked Georgia and you keep being on their bandwagon out there, uh, because people aren't focusing on them. They they're talking about Texas. They're talking about Michigan possibly, along with Alabama and Clemson. And I haven't seen a lot of people being that high on Georgia. And I'm I'm glad you're going with that pick. Um, my most surprising team, I wanted to go with Michigan and Texas, but they're ranked in the top 10. Um, I'm, I, I think they're going to accomplish a lot of great things this year, but I'm going to go with the Florida Gators. 10-3 um, and three last year, Dan Mullen has this team set up f- for the future. A lot of publications believe that they're going to take a step back, but they play Auburn away, they play LSU away, they play Georgia at home. They've got the Miami-Florida game which will set the tone for the season on opening weekend. I just think the Gators are are there to stay. Um, I think they're going to go 11 and 2. I think they're going to be in the top 10. They probably they're not going to get into the college football playoff. I don't have them making it, but I think they're going to be a surprise team because they're definitely going to overachieve. Um, some people believe again that they will take a step back. I think Dan Mullen and the Gators are here to stay, and they're going to be a national contender for years to come. Not this year, but th- that's why I'm calling them one of the surprise teams out there. How about the most disappointing team out there? How about a team that that won't be able to live up to the hype? I'm not. I'm not high on Penn State this year. Um, I talked about how they they're going to lose Trace McSorley, and they're going to have quarterback problems. I mean. You know, they lost Tommy Stevens when he transferred to Mississippi State, and now they're going to have to go with Sean Clifford. So they're not going to have the quarterback. They only returned five starters on offense and only six starters on defense. So I think th- I think this is the year that Mi- Michigan I- – I actually see I actually see Michigan State beating Penn State this year as far as in division rankings. You're not a believer in James Franklin this year. Uh, my most disappointing team, I'll, I'll stay in the Big Ten. Uh, I'm going to go with Ohio State Buckeyes. Um, Look, Ryan Day is a terrific offensive coordinator. What he did with with a couple of those quarterbacks, the way he got them ready, R.J. Barrett, Dwayne Haskins, is absolutely amazing. The way they progressed, the, the way they got better. But it would be really tough 
for Ryan Day to replace Urban Meyer. You and I talked about Lincoln Riley replacing Bob Stoops. That was that was a smooth ride. I don't think it's going to be a smooth ride for Ohio State. Urban Meyer is one of the great college football coaches of all time. And uh, Ryan Day is a terrific offensive type of guy. But can he handle Ohio State and, and this program being on top, being expected to win every Saturday? I'm not sold on Justin Fields. Justin Fields is a terrific recruit. He's a great runner. Um, obviously, he put up huge numbers when he came out of high school. It didn't work out for him at Georgia because obviously they had Fromm there. Fields gets his shot as the starting quarterback here. I think he's going to go through those growing pains. The Buckeyes could absolutely lose at Nebraska or to Wisconsin or to Michigan State, somebody that we mentioned in the, in the past podcast. And they've got a, a late game against Penn State, and then they've got Michigan to close out the season. I think a lot of people believe that this is, again, a one-loss team. I see a team that's going to lose two or three games. So I think Ohio State is bound to take that step back. Uh, right now, I, I think I saw a, a line in MGM for the regular season. They're supposed to get over 10.5 wins. I'm taking the under on that. I just... Ohio State has great talent, but you still need to kind of mesh it together. You still need to to blend it in. I don't think Ryan Day is is ready for this big challenge in year one. It's unfair to him because again, he's replacing a, a legend, a coaching legend. And I think it's he's gonna go through some growing pains out there. So I'm gonna go with the Ohio State Buckeyes right off right off the bat. How about a, a coach on the hot seat, Ed? Well, I think there's two that come to mind for me. Uh, the number one is Clay Helton at USC. Uh, USC is expected to be one of the best programs. You know, that's the kind of that's kind of football factory they have in LA. They expect USC to be you know a major contender to compete with the SEC. And USC USC is not even really in the running to win the Pac-12. So. I think I think the the board at USC is going to get impatient, and they want a coach who's gonna who's gonna who's gonna win, and they want to pay big money, and they want a coach who's gonna you know compete with the SEC and get into the college football playoff. They haven't made the college football playoff yet, and they they should be one of the teams in the college football playoff with the kind of money they have. All right, if Helton is out at the end of the season, who would you hire? It, knowing almost... that knowing that USC can can still get that guy. I mean, they can still offer him that money. Are they going to go back to Pete Carroll? I'll give you a name. I think Urban Meyer could resurface at USC. I mean, we've obviously heard about his health. He's working right now, I think, for Fox Sports, actually. So he's on the West Coast. He's definitely going to be linked with this job. He's been at Utah. He's been at Florida. He has been at Ohio State. and He's won everywhere he's been. So I would assume that he's going to be their first candidate uh, right out of the gate. USC is not going to waste time. Once it fires Clay Hilton, it's going to have an offer on the table to, to Urban Meyer. And I, I think that's a name they definitely keep an eye on. There's, there's one name that comes to mind. Uh, you know, if, if Herm Edwards keeps building the, uh, the Arizona State program, I could see him being the coach at USC. He'll already know the Pac-12 pipeline. It's in the same area. You know, it's going to be the same recruits. He's going to have the developed relationships. I think Herm Edwards, if he has a good year at Arizona, shows some potential, will have 
better opportunities at USC and he'll he'll take the job. I wouldn't want Urban Meyer coaching at USC. I would take Jack Del Rio. If there's a, like an outside candidate who's not even coaching football this year, it's Jack Del Rio. Because I, I thought that he did some good things with the Jacksonville Jaguars. He got a short end of the stick with, with the Oakland Raiders a little bit. He's always been an underrated guy, and he played at USC, so he knows that tradition. When Pete Carroll took the job at USC, he was never, he didn't coach. He was never a college head coach. Jack Del Rio doesn't have that experience, but I, I would go with Jack Del Rio over Herm Edwards any day because I think Jack Del Rio can, uh, can motivate young college football players out there, and he can build that program up if they don't get Urban Meyer. You mentioned... Clay Helton, who is another guy that's on the hot seat right now for you? I think Willie Taggart should be at Florida State. I mean, Florida State is expected to be one of the best programs every year. And, you know, the Florida State was terrible last year and just had an awful season. And, and if Florida State doesn't, doesn't at least compete for the ACC... I, I don't see I don't see how you could stick with Willie Taggart. He, he you know he he, ha, he hasn't done well at all. You know I've already heard from Florida State fans how they're already fed up with him. I, I think they should I think they should go for a better option. Yeah, just Florida State hasn't been recruiting uh, hasn't done a good job recruiting the past few years. Like, it's kind of fallen off to be honest with you. I'm gonna go with Gus Malzahn uh, of Auburn. Ever since he won. He went 12-2 and at Auburn during the 2013 season. His teams have struggled. I mean, his teams have gone 8-5 and three times, 7-6 and one time, and 10-4 and um, another season. And it's just, it's been kind of a roller coaster ride for Malzahn. And I just think this year, I already mentioned that Auburn is on the decline. I think this is a team that, that's going to go 500, and it's definitely not going to save Gus's job. So I expect Gus Malzahn to be uh, looking for another job at the end of the season. Uh, college football playoff. Obviously, Ed, you've kind of given it away already. Uh, you mentioned Clemson, Alabama, Michigan, and then who's your fourth team again? Georgia. Georgia. Georgia, Georgia. Georgia deserves to get in. I'm going to go with Clemson, Alabama. I'll go Michigan. I'll go with Texas. I'm really high on Texas, and if they get over the hump, if they beat Oklahoma in the Big 12 championship game, they definitely deserve to be there. I understand. Uh, I, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, well, I was just going to say, I, I like their quarterback, Sam Ellinger. I think he I think he deserves to be in the first-round conversation. He has good tape. I mean, what do you think about Sam Ellinger? It's somebody I haven't broken down yet uh, because, obviously, he was a sophomore last year. Somebody I'm going to be looking at um, once – we get the season rolling this year. Uh, I think he's he's an interesting case. I, I can't necessarily put him in the first-round conversation just yet, but I haven't broken him down. So it, it's too early for me to tell. But I do like Texas. I do like the, the college football quarterback that he is and the things that he did a, as a sophomore. And I think they've got a, a very good team. This team is primed. And I think this is the year that... They dethrone um, Oklahoma and, and Lincoln Riley. By the way, our picks last year, Ed, they didn't look too good. I mean, your picks. L- let's start with you because you were the winner. Um, you got two out of the four teams right. You've got you got Alabama and you got Clemson right. You picked Ohio State and Washington. Obviously, Washington was brutal. 
uh, right off the bat when they lost to Auburn opening weekend last year. For me, I only got Alabama right. So I got one out of the four teams. I, I didn't get Ohio State. I didn't get Washington. For some reason, I picked Miami. I was a believer in Mark Rick. That I thought he was, he was going to do some great things in the 2018 season. Boy, was I wrong. I should have picked Clemson. Um, obviously, again, this year, Clemson, Alabama, Texas, and Michigan for me. And I think you and I are, are sticking on the same page. We're, we're picking three teams. Both of us are picking three teams. And there's only one team that we have a difference on. You pick Georgia, and I'm picking Texas. So hopefully we do better this year, Ed. Well, who could have seen, who could have seen Notre Dame? I mean, they had an easy schedule. I think that was the reason they got in. But, I mean, they got trounced once they got to the playoffs. I thought, I thought Ohio State still had a better team than Notre Dame. Well, Notre Dame finally got it, it, its wish. It's an independent. I, I keep saying that they should be in some conference uh, to make things easier for themselves. But they got in as an independent and uh, overall Ohio State. So we'll close that debate. Obviously, a lot of people were unhappy about it. But Notre Dame got in and it got obliterated. All well, right, let's I talk. Mean, a- I mean, I will. I will say just one one thing. I want to say is I think Oklahoma is going to be in the conversation. I think they're going to be. You know, when we uh, when we have that debate when they when the committee picks the top four teams, I think Oklahoma will be a debatably there. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Oklahoma is um, in the top five, top ten uh, preseason, and they're the favorites to come out of the the Big Twelve. Even though I believe. Texas will come out on top. All right, since we gave away our college football playoff, uh, the four teams, we picked them. Uh, let's end our college football preview on talking about the Heisman Trophy, Ed. I think it's going to be an interesting race. And, uh, you know, there are obviously two favorites for this trophy this year. Uh, so let's talk about those two guys. Well, I see I see this as a three-horse race. I guess I'm really banging the, the Georgia drum today okay i think jake i think jake Fromm is in that conversation with tua and trevor lawrence no yeah, interesting talk about jake Fromm a little bit not in terms of the type of prospect that he is but why do you think he's gonna put up those numbers that he hasn't put up in the past do you think that here's here's the knock on Fromm for me as a college quarterback not as an nfl prospect um georgia wants to run the football they're a running back factory and they have DeAndre Swift this year, and they have a few more guys behind them. They want to run the football and play good defense. Fromm is still a caretaker, guy who has good wide receivers. He spreads the ball around. He, he throws it to DeAndre Swift coming out of the backfield. But he's not necessarily going to be like a Justin Herbert or a Trevor Lawrence or Tua, a guys that are going to air it out. They're going to get over 40-plus touchdowns if they stay healthy. I don't see Fromm excelling at Georgia in that role. They're not going to ask him to to win games. They're going to ask him to take care of the football. He's going to throw, you know, 25 to 30 touchdowns, but I don't think he's going to throw more than that. That's that's my counter argument against Fromm. Do you see something different this year? I will acknowledge about Fromm is he is more of a, you know, a Joe Flacco type of quarterback. He's not He's not going to stretch the field, you know, and put up a huge numbers, you know. But he is he is a quarterback who who you know isn't going to turn the ball over. He's not going to hurt you. 
And really, really, a lot of the, your Heisman resume is how your team did and what position you play. So no, that's I mean, he's, true. That's true. He, he's he's the quarterback. He's the quarterback of what I think is a college football playoff team, and he. He he's he doesn't really. I don't think he's going to turn the ball over very often. I think he's going to be accurate. I think he can. I think they can at least stretch the field a little bit with him. He may not have Miko Hardman and you know the deep threats that he had last year, but I think I think he he's still going to be a very consistent quarterback. And so I think I think he's I think he's still in the Heisman talk. Oh, well, he's definitely in the Heisman talk. But the thing is, I don't think he's going to put up those huge numbers because Georgia is not going to ask him to do that. They are. They want to run the football. They they want to run that football 35, 40, 45 times a game if they want to. They're not going to ask him to to air it out. He can do that. It's just not the type of offense that they run. So I I, I don't see him throwing for over four thousand yards. I don't see him throwing 35, 40 touchdowns. And if he doesn't do that from a personal statistics standpoint, he's not going to be in there as as the finalist. If if you look at the numbers that Tua put up last year, or even Trevor Lawrence once he came on, it's a different breed. They they open up that offense. They open up the offense at Alabama and at Clemson. They don't ask Fromm to do that. It's going to be a knock on him as an NFL prospect as well. People will ask questions about him. It's unfair because I think he can do it, but it's... Uh, like I said, from a personal standpoint, I don't see those, those big numbers. So... Aside from Fromm, obviously Tua and Trevor Lawrence are the other two favorites. Definitely. Trevor Lawrence is, I mean, he's just got a rocket arm. He can scramble in the pocket. Um, you know, accurate passer. Just physically imposing, tall. I think, I think he's going to have a great year. I mean, this is, is going to be his first year where he's going to be practicing in August with him being the head of the offense. So I think that's only going to help him. He's he's had great success in his career. He did great against Alabama in the national championship. Trevor Lawrence, definite definite Heisman, definite Heisman. He was favorite. just he, he was amazing last year. Ed, you were right. I mean, you talked about Trevor Lawrence he, heading into the season, and I talked about Kelly Bryant, but Lawrence came on a lot sooner than I thought he would, and you were right. Uh, obviously, when he came in, the, the offense looked sharper. I think it it scored over 47 points a game once he st- he started those nine games. The first four games he he was a backup, but he played a lot. He tossed over 3,200 yards uh, with 30 touchdowns. Um, you know, obviously those those numbers are bound to go up. Uh, the the wide receivers are amazing. He's got Travis Etienne. He's got an experienced offensive line. Yeah, the the future is bright for for Trevor Lawrence and Dabo Sweeney. I mean, he trusted in him, and what did Trevor Lawrence do? He delivered the national championship as as a true freshman, and he started for nine games. It was what an ending uh, to to the season. Let's talk about Tua. Yeah, I mean Tua Tua has, I think, a lot of traits to make him a great NFL quarterback. He might get he might get a little bit. Uh, knocked because he's a left-handed quarterback sometimes people don't like to see the mechanics of a left-handed quarterback but he has good mechanics he's you know he's definitely an accurate passer he can fit him into tight windows um 
you know, let's talk about him being the favorite. We'll we'll break him down. We'll break Tua down as an NFL prospect a little bit later, uh, because obviously we're going to put him under the the scouting microscope. But uh, do you see Tua as the favorite for the yeah, Heisman I mean, Trophy? He's, he didn't I mean, he didn't he's get gonna... it last year. He didn't get it last year. It seemed like he was going to be the guy. I mean, he he threw for almost four thousand yards, forty three touchdowns, only six interceptions. A lot of people thought that he was going to come away with it, but I guess when he laid an egg against Georgia a bit at the end of the season, some people kind of, you know, they they couldn't forgive him for that. And Kyler Murray came on, and obviously he took the Heisman Trophy. But I think Tua definitely has a chip on his shoulder now. Am I correct? Well, it's going to be a harder path for Tua to to dominate when when you compare it to Trevor Lawrence having to beat the ACC and. Tua having to beat the SEC, and really, it happens before the the Heisman is announced before the the national championship is played. So, I mean, the people are gonna Alabama is gonna be the number one team in the country at that point because they're gonna have a harder path to the national championship. Okay, give me a couple of more players that we should be keeping an eye on. Kind of dark horses. You mentioned three names. Give me a couple of more that we should be keeping an eye on uh, for for the Heisman Trophy. I think Jonathan Taylor is definitely a name. Um, I also, you know, with us picking Michigan, I think Shea Patterson is a real possibility. I don't, I don't love him as an NFL quarterback, but as a college quarterback, he's, you know, he's going to be in a more favorable offense at Michigan, and I could see him having a big year. I want to mention a couple of more guys. Uh, you and I have praised Justin Herbert. I think if he stays healthy, he is in his second season in the more familiar offense. I think he's going to put up huge numbers, and Herbert is going to be in the conversation as well. I would actually put him a little bit higher than Fromm, to, to be honest with you. I also I also think that Jonathan Taylor is going to be there. I mean, anybody who rushes over 2,000 yards, all he has to do is Wisconsin has to get him the, the football in the passing game a little bit more, and I think he can be dangerous in that area. As far as, like... Uh, kind of a sleeper type of guy. I'll go with Adrian Martinez from Nebraska. I just think he's going to put up some huge numbers for the Corn High Corn They're just they're not going to win 10 or 11 games and I think that's going to be a knock on him. That's why I don't anticipate him being invited to New York, but he could be one of the top 6 uh, guys left standing at, at, when it's all said and done. And since you and I have praised Texas, I think Sam Erle- Ellinger needs to be mentioned in the conversation as well. Obviously, if, if Texas is going to be in the college football playoff, possibly, Ellinger is going to be the driving force. And he puts up huge numbers, and he's obviously going to be more comfortable and better this year. So those are a few more guys that I wanted to mention. And don't sleep on Jerry Judy. I'm not saying that he's going to win it, but he could be in the top four conversation because he's a deep threat. You know, he just he makes those amazing catches downfield. He's going to score a lot of touchdowns in that Alabama offense. And if it wasn't for those other wide receivers that they have on the roster, Judy would be getting the ball almost on every play. But I anticipate for the Bolitnikoff award winner, I anticipate a huge year for him. And he, he could get, you know, 17, 18 touchdowns for over like 15, 1600 yards. We might see a wide receiver here. Uh, when it comes to those uh, finalists. We haven't seen in a while, obviously, but I think Judy has got a shot. 
I, I tend to disagree. I, I just don't think Judy is that elite of a receiver. I think he's going to put up big numbers, but I think if he puts up the big numbers, then Tua's going to get the Heisman Trophy. Well, I'm not saying Judy is going to win it. What I am saying is I think he's going to be in the conversation because he's going to be the lead dog in the passing game, and, and that's a fact. All right, let's expand on Tua uh, a little bit more, Ed. You kind of jumped the gun a little bit. Uh, let's talk about him as an NFL prospect. Let's talk about his strengths. Well, I really like his internal clock. I think he gets the ball out quickly. Uh, I've already mentioned that he has good ball placement and accuracy. Um, he he definitely has some zip on his passes. He's He's got a decent throwing arm. Um, but maybe a couple things that I, I, I kind of, maybe not huge concerns, but concerns. Um, he, he sometimes overshoots on the deep ball, and but at, at other times can be very accurate. But I've seen him overshoot, especially if he gets under pressure. Another thing I see him doing is uh, he's an aggressive decision maker. He's got that gunslinger mentality, and that's worked at Alabama. Um, and it's worked for Patrick Mahomes, but and it's worked for Ben Roethlisberger. But I, I, I wonder if he might be a high interception guy in the league. Not a high interception guy, but maybe a little bit higher than most franchise quarterbacks. Let's expand on that a little bit. Yeah, Tua definitely takes chances uh, with, with the football. And I think last year, he was a first-year starter, by the way, as a sophomore. A lot of people forget about that. Especially in the beginning, like in the first part of the season, his decision-making was kind of up and down sometimes. He would try to to make every play on every throw. He, he just he didn't want to let go. I mean, he would throw it into double coverage. He would throw it into tight windows. Sometimes it would work, and sometimes he would get away with it. And um, I do agree with you that his accuracy, he's a much better, he's a much more accurate quarterback in the short intermediate game. As far as the deep ball goes, he... he he does struggle at times, and um, I also feel like he struggles under pressure. And Alabama has a great offensive line, but when the heat is on, it, a lot of quarterbacks struggle with put pressure in their face. Peyton Manning struggled, um, but but Tua needs to handle it a little bit better. Uh, he needs to kind of slide and and get away from the rush and and get rid of the ball quicker. Sometimes, if his primary target is is not open. You know he he will take some chances out there. He will start running around, and there's a lot to like. Obviously, he's accurate, and you know he's a good. Usually, he's a good decision maker. He gets the ball out. He spreads the ball uh, to to different receivers. He does go through his progressions. This isn't the quarterback that just throw it to, throws it to his primary target every time. And when he's he's covered, he, he doesn't know what to do with it. You know, usually, guys, you know, first read and then you run. Tua doesn't do that. He stands in there. He reads the field pretty well. Um, another concern that I have, and I saw that in the Georgia game at the end, Ed, he's got a longer throwing motion. Like, it's a longer delivery. And Georgia took advantage of that at times. They, they came up with a couple of picks, and it could have been a couple of more interceptions. So, and also against, you know, usually in the SEC, you grade quarterbacks against top competition. He struggled against LSU's defense, and he he struggled mightily against Georgia, especially in the in the first half. So 
taking the, the best two defenses in the SEC, he definitely needs to bounce back as a junior and, and have a better game against Georgia and LSU in 2019. This may be a bias, but do you, do you think with left-handed quarterbacks it's harder to, to sort of have a quick throwing motion? I just I don't see very many left-handed quarterbacks have just that quick, you know, compact motion. I don't think it has anything to do with right or left-handed quarterbacks. It's, you don't see too many left-handed quarterbacks in the league. It's just it's a different ball, and wide receivers don't expect it because it's just it comes out differently. But Steve Young was one of the the best quarterbacks in the NFL period, and he was a left-handed guy, one of the most accurate quarterbacks in all time. I would say he, he really was. I mean, he he could. Sling it with the best of them, and um, if, if it wasn't for you know the injuries, the concussions, I mean, we would have played longer. So Steve Young made it. Tua can make it as well. This isn't you know he's a left-handed quarterback. Oh no, we're not going to pick him. I think um, you know it, it's been proven. Obviously, Baker Mayfield went number one overall. Kyler Murray went number one overall, and, and Tua may very well go number one overall as well. Teams are not looking at size anymore, and I'm sure they're not going to knock him for being a left-handed quarterback. But he's he's got a longer release, and the, we've seen that in in previous years. Guys that have longer releases, whether it's Sam Darnold or Matthew Stafford, NFL players are bigger, faster, more athletic. They get a jump on it. He he could struggle at times. So, like I said, we're nitpicking out here. Tua is a terrific prospect, and a lot of people have him as the number one overall pick. And he is, he's most likely going to go in the top three or top five. But you always have to look at some things that he has to improve on. And we do see some weaknesses in his game. But again, don't forget this. He was only a one-year starter. Um, he, he played as a freshman, especially obviously at the end. He won the national championship. But Jalen Hurts was the starting quarterback there. This is going to be his second year uh, as the starting quarterback at Alabama. And... I'm sure he's going to get better. He, a talented young man from Hawaii who just, he's not afraid of anything. And that that tells me something. I mean, this guy competes on every play. And even though he's got a great team at Alabama, still, you have to have a great quarterback. And he is a great quarterback. Let's uh, move on to the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Tua is somebody that we're going to talk about a lot during the season. Um, let's talk about a cornerback from the Florida Gators. His name is C.J. Henderson. Um, Ed, give me his uh, strengths and weaknesses. Well, I see. I see a guy who it kind of it, it's kind of like Jekyll and Hyde. I, I notice against better competition that he kind of has a little bit of trouble in coverage. Whereas I see him playing against a team like Missouri, and he's a very good cover corner. So that, that immediately tells me that he's going to have a little bit more trouble in coverage against better competition. That's, that's the first thing that stands out to me. Um, Did you, see, you saw him struggle against LSU and Michigan, I would assume, right? Yeah, Those are the Michi- two games that you saw. Michi- yeah, in 2018, Michigan and LSU, yeah. Um, I think he's a good tackler. I think he has good ball skills. I think he's a guy who can play in the slot and the outside. Um, but I think the, the two – the big thing – the big thing is his coverage, you know, just mirroring the guy and also uh, against good competition, gets good receivers, and he needs to be more physical in the run game. But 
I mean, how many how many good how many of his types of corners are really that good in the run game? Well, it's it's really uh, an interesting topic because last year we talked about corners. Um, obviously, DeAndre Baker, Greedy Williams, but nobody saw. A lot of people didn't see shutdown corners in last year's draft. In this year's draft, I, I think you're also going to be struggling for to find that shutdown corner. So I guess C.J. Henderson is as close as it gets. I'm sure somebody is going to sneak up on us Ed, during the season. But and Fulton from LSU is a good candidate. But I just I don't see that elite corner this year. And I think C.J. as a result of that, C.J. Henderson is going to be pushed up in the conversation. Plus, he was only a sophomore last year. Coming back, he's a junior. He's stronger. Uh, he is. He's gained weight. He's gained some muscle. He's a freak. He's an athletic freak. I mean, he jumps out of the gym. He he squats. Um, he, you know, he's not a, a a tiny scrawny corner uh, like Greedy Williams was knocked for this in last year's draft. He's got very good speed, and he's got size. So he's everything that, that teams look for in terms of the physical ability. He just needs to put it together a little bit from a technical standpoint. You mentioned mirror, mirroring the receiver. I also feel like he needs to be more effective with his jam at the line of scrimmage because he's a good man corner, but he needs to get that jam and, and kind of get that wide receiver back a little bit. At times he misses and that, that kind of hurts him. Uh, a little bit. And against LSU, you know, against Michigan, I saw a corner that, that was very technically sound in terms of tackling. He was a wrap-up tackler, and that was kind of weird to me. I was like, geez, this this guy's a lot better than I thought he would be. Against LSU, he started, you know, kind of lunging at guys, throwing his shoulder, missing tackles. I didn't know what, what was that about. So against in the beginning of the season against Michigan, I saw a guy that could tackle. Against LSU, I saw somebody that I didn't want any part of it. Um, I, I couldn't understand that. It's, so he's a little bit up and down in terms of being a tackler. I want to see him be more consistent week in and week out. Do you see him? Uh, obviously, he's going to get better. Do you see him as a first-round talent in, in next year's draft? I think if I was a GM, I wouldn't put a first-round grade on him, but I think he'll end up getting picked in the first round. Just because this is, this is, I think, a weak cornerback class. As far as I've seen, I, I, I think this is just a... And I've already said this on a previous podcast, but I think this is just a more offensive podcast. And if you're looking for a defensive guy in the first round, you might be overdrafting. Well, it's an offensive draft, and I like it. I, I like playmakers. I like guys. I love running backs. I love wide receivers. I like quarterbacks. So this, the 2020 NFL draft is my type of draft. It's... It's all about the skilled positions, and I, I love it. So you listen to the college football preview. We broke down Tua, the, the quarterback from Alabama. We talked about C.J. Henderson. We made our predictions for the college football preview. So thank you for listening, and uh, we'll come back stronger and, uh, and better next week. Take care. Bye-bye.